What's up with Michael Hawkins? Oklahoma's got a huge junior day coming up, and we got John Garcia from SI.com recruiting analyst to talk about all of that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation, and welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can also hear here on Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref. And Norman, Josh, how's it going, my friends? What's up? What's up? How are we doing? Doing great, and we're excited to bring in John Garcia, recruiting analyst, big connection. We had him on last week, and people loved your, your content and loved your oh, insight. Wow. So we yeah. got to bring you back. Uh, the Oklahoma Sooners having a big junior day coming up this weekend. But the thing I want to talk about first is Michael Hawkins, the 2024 four-star quarterback who has been projected by every major recruiting service to the Oklahoma Sooners to this point. Had a commitment date set for January 31st. Over the weekend, put out a tweet saying he was going to push that back a little bit. Some things had changed. He wanted to make sure he got it right. Then deleted the tweet. So, John, take it away, man. What do you make of the Michael Hawkins situation at this point? Clearly, there's a lot going on in this recruitment down the home stretch. Look, I think independent of the timeline, look, Oklahoma's going to be in the driver's seat of, of this recruitment, whether it ends January 31st as originally projected or somewhere thereafter now of course it's not hard to find out why there could be some delay in in trying to finalize this from michael's standpoint look there's like rumors and buzz about every offensive coordinator at every school that he's looking at right it was arkansas and oklahoma arkansas loses kendall bryles to tcu we'll see how they they fill from there there's jeff levy rumors that are swirling around a little bit now uh, on the oklahoma front and then of course TCU was was in that top eight that he put out. Most felt like they were running third at best uh, for this uh, this recruitment. And now, of course, uh, you know, they grab Bryle. So there's a sense that TCU maybe vaults over Arkansas here in short order. But I think, again, independent of that, Oklahoma is going to stay in the thick of this race and probably in the driver's seat for Hawkins, no matter when he makes the decision. And, and clearly there's there's some back and forth going on in the Hawkins camp. And that's understandable because on top of all of this, he's been making visits and he's supposed to be back at OU this weekend. Uh, Of course, you know, journalistically you're like, okay, when he sits down with Jeff Levy, what does that look like? What is the message there? Does Levy kind of nudge him and say, Hey, I'm sticking around or or could it be a little bit more vague and and maybe freak out sooner nation a little bit more. Um, That's always uh, an important part of, of trying to piece together things through the cycle. But, but even, playing devil's advocate, even if Levy leaves, let's say, you know, there's still so many ties uh, to Oklahoma for Michael Hawkins that I do think they would still remain in the race, but I would then expect um, a little bit of a delay in this commitment. So I think the Hawkins camp foresees some change just in general and trying to navigate and and internalize all of what it means as the dust settles is something that's clearly um, on their mind. But look, he was just at Arkansas. He's going to be back at OU. The conventional feeling is that those two have been in the best position for the longest amount of time. So if he is indeed sticking to January 31st, 
Um, obviously, we, we feel pretty good about Oklahoma's chances, almost independent of, of what Levy's future is there in Norman. So we'll see. I've got a message into him like I'm sure 30 other people do. We'll see if, if he responds and, and clears the air just a little bit. But you could also understand why this is kind of a touchy situation. But the good news for everybody, though, is, is that it's still early. It's January. Um, th- this kid's got nearly a year left uh, until he enrolls at his college of choice. So there's certainly no shame or harm in pushing things back just a little bit. And that's the thing. You, you get the sense that if he does push it back, it's probably a matter of, of weeks, not necessarily months or, or seasons or anything like that. So I do think he still comes off the board in short order because, look, while he's trying to navigate colleges, these other 24 dominoes are falling very quickly. Um, so I think that's something that's still important to him. And with the type of support system that that Michael has around him, very aware of how the recruiting calendar rolls, there's still going to be a little bit of urgency here, in my opinion. What's your gut feel, whether it's a sourced gut feel or just that, a gut feel? Is this potential delay? I know that he had the tweet and deleted it, but that at least makes me feel like, okay, well, there's some indecisiveness in some regard, or he's at least thinking about, uh, clearly he's thinking about delaying the the commitment announcement. Is it more about, okay, is Jeff Levy going to still be around at Oklahoma, or is this more that Kendall Bryles is – jumping from Arkansas to TCU. What's your gut feel on that portion of it? My gut is with the latter. I, I think this is more about Bryles and the intrigue of TCU, which all of a sudden, which not only is it very close to home for Michael, but of course in the last few months, TCU profiles differently. It just kind of is what it is on that front. Then you pair that with the relationship that he's obviously already established with Kendall, and it makes the Horn Frogs a little bit more attractive. They were already in his top eight. He's already built some rapport with Sonny Dykes. Uh, so I think that's where some of this starts to lean just in terms of the intrigue and timeliness of, of all of it. And then on top of all that, TCU didn't sign a, a quarterback in 23, you know, and, and obviously Duggan is departing to the NFL. So all of those dominoes, just from a business standpoint, profile very well for TCU. Now they're still trying to grab a 23 quarterback. Jaden Rashad is supposed to visit this weekend. So that could throw a bit of a wrench into that that depth chart plan and, and how TCU presents itself. But as it stands today, as we record, TCU looks pretty wide open relative to some of the other schools on his list. And then you pair that with the geography, Dykes and Bryles. And I think this is about the Horned Frogs crashing the party more than OU losing ground as maybe the top school. One, kind of one other thing that kind of threw – maybe I don't even want to say it's a wrench necessarily, but was intriguing was not, but a week ago they issued an offer to the 2024 quarterback out of Arkansas, Walker white, just, just to make it funner for us. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that provided, that just provided a whole lot more intrigue to the whole conversation. What do you know about Walker white? I mean, number one player in the state of Arkansas, obviously very highly regarded. Jeff Levy had connections with him from his time at Ole Miss. His offer from Ole Miss came back in 2021. So your thoughts on Walker white. Yeah, at that time, starting at the last point, John, at that point, I think Walker White was like very favored to end up at Ole Miss because of Jeff Levy and that early established relationship. Ole Miss had some up and down runs at quarterbacks in the 23 cycle, didn't end up signing one. But even before that, again, Walker White to Ole Miss was very much a thing in that market. Since then, a lot has changed. A lot more schools have come in. Naturally, a lot of these coaches have moved around to a degree. So it's kind of gone full circle. It was like Ole Miss, maybe Bama at one point, other schools. And then it's now kind of circled back 
to to the in-state school to Arkansas, especially with that assumption and the timeliness of of the o, OU offer was was truly a wrench. I think that's a good point. The timeliness of all these other QBs coming off the board and Walker White kind of just still hanging around uncommitted was going to bode well in theory for Arkansas. But again, that's a Kendall Bryles prospect, you know. So now does TCU pivot to him as well if it doesn't work out with Hawkins? So there was a sense that Arkansas was going to wind up with a good prospect either way. Now I'm not so sure because of all the dominoes that have started to fall because clearly the relationships with Levy uh, and, and Bryles in particular were really strong. So I think Walker's going to play a little patient. As you mentioned, he just picked up the OU offer, which timing-wise is really funky to me, I, I thought. Um, maybe that could have an impact on Michael Hawkins. I don't think it will. Um, look, typically schools offer four, five, six quarterbacks in a given cycle. Um, and Walker's a really good player, as you mentioned, number one quarterback in Arkansas, much more pro style and conventional compared to the dual threat nature of, of Hawkins. Uh, so it could mean one of two things. One, the board is evolving and now White is, is in that tier for Oklahoma. Or two, maybe Oklahoma thinks about bringing in multiple quarterbacks. I think that's still a potential scenario to, to consider as well, because with the portal craziness and fluid uh, mobility with all these players as many bodies as you can have of the blue chip variety the the better and and every single school probably subscribes to that philosophy whether they would like to admit it or not but I think it, from from an Oklahoma fan perspective Walker White is absolutely a quarterback to pay attention to almost independent of Hawkins but from a timeline perspective absolutely attached to Michael Hawkins especially if this is a delay in the Hawkins commitment Breaking down this 2024 cycle for Oklahoma, obviously, we've we've talked about the quarterbacks here for the Sooners. we got a big junior day coming up for Oklahoma. We'll talk about that with John Garcia. Before we do that, the NFL playoffs, they are here. It is championship week. Unbelievable. The final four, and then there were four. We're really excited, by the way, to announce and share with you our, our new sports betting partner for Locked On because uh, they're the number one sports book in all of America. And you can see right there, if you're watching along on YouTube with us, it's FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy, which, you know, for new bettors, that's what you want, right? Fun and easy. New customers join today. Get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. That's $150 in free bets. When you place your first $5 bet, just sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, they've got all your favorite bets from money line, point spreads, player props, just about anything you can think of. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets. Win or lose at FanDuel.com slash locked on. They've got their app. It's all over there on the app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. So make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL and our good friends right here at the Locked On Network. Junior day. So this is, uh, you know, bigger than just a couple of quarterbacks. What, when you think about this junior day for Oklahoma, what are some of the, the big storylines, John? Well, first of all, just getting kids to pick your school on a junior day is a big deal. I think that's important to point out because this is the time of year where everybody is is kind of creating junior day events to try to stand out and, and be unique. A&M had a huge one 
uh, this past weekend, as did Texas. And now it's like kind of shifted to, to the other side here. And, and now um, Oklahoma and TCU are going to have theirs uh, simultaneously this weekend. So just seeing who actually is scheduled and actually arrives could be two different deals from a recruiting standpoint. But really, when you start to bring a lot of recruits to campus together, um, it's really a flex of, of your ability to recruit in bulk and in mass. It's not easy. It's something that really does separate, you know, the haves and the have nots in, in, in that regard. And obviously it's gone really well early on uh, for schools like Oklahoma. So this will be a star studded weekend. I don't have the full list. I know some big names that are expected. I mean, Casey Poe is one that has had some ties uh, to Oklahoma. There's a good feel there for the Sooners. He's fresh off of that A&M visit. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on to see how his recruitment develops. Uh, you want to get on the board, right? And in, in, in the class of 24, I know Hawkins will see uh, for the 31st and obviously he'll be back on campus, um, but you need the rest of those pieces as well. And naturally, if the Levy stuff is secured by the weekend, which is an idealistic scenario, a lot of these offensive targets can get a little further into uh, their stance and true field uh, for Oklahoma. Um, I think uh, Nigel Smith, if he gets back to campus, that could be a big deal. Kid out of uh, Melissa, Texas, a big time pass rusher who's got ties to a, a bunch of programs, including SMU uh, in the area. And then, you know, Peyton Pierce is still worth bringing up. I think from a timeline perspective, he could be the one closest besides Hawkins to potentially actually making a verbal commitment. He was also at AM last week, uh, the linebacker uh, out of Lovejoy. Uh, so we don't know if, if AM's trying to crash that party. Uh, this is profiled as more of a of an older dame Oklahoma battle, which you know has become a familiar opponent uh, to Sooners fans, which is Probably unexpected, but interesting to watch as as it develops. Notre Dame has always prioritized the state of Texas, so you understand where, where that comes from. But now AM is throwing its hat in, in that ring, so that could be something interesting. But even still, I, I do think Pierce uh, has a lot of love for Oklahoma. That that projection still looks pretty good uh, for, from the industry at this point. But there is a sense that Notre Dame's been that number two. Is, is AM now trying – to, to push in in that regard. So that'll be something interesting to watch. But either way, if he returns to campus as expected, I do think that's a big deal for OU. And, and he's one I've, I've got my eye on uh, here going forward. But the list is is big and it's growing. I've seen two new kids confirm just in the last little bit uh, right before we jumped on. So this will be a great list to track as we get towards the end of the week. And naturally, you know, when, when your commit lists, you expect some dominoes to maybe fall and maybe you grab a, a kid or two here uh, along the way, which I think would be big, of course, uh, for momentum. So you mentioned Poe, you mentioned Pierce for Oklahoma in particular, who are some other names that we need to really be kind of keeping an eye on? Well, naturally look, David Stone's where that conversation begins. I know we, we talked a lot about him uh, last week as we did with Williams and the fast riser um, out of uh, uh, the Kansas city, St. Louis corridor uh, up there. And if we're talking, you know, 24 with Oklahoma, we got to look at Eli Bowen as well. I mean, he's one that you always have to keep a close eye on. There, there was a time where, Early in the Peyton Bowen drama, and I'm sure you guys have, have over-covered it at this point, there was a time early on where I was told Peyton is only visiting Oklahoma because Eli really likes Oklahoma, and he's just kind of supporting little bro as opposed to little bro tagging along with big bro. So regardless of that, there's always been some Oklahoma vibes with Eli Bowen, almost independent of where Peyton ended up, but now obviously with with Peyton on the way, you feel really good about Eli, who's always had, um, you know, his rise coincided with 
this coaching staff coming together. Uh, so that was great timing. Uh, lucky, great timing there for Oklahoma on that front. Uh, so I do think he's probably the first or second recruit to bring up after the Michael Hawkins, David Stones of the world. So there's there's no commits on board just yet, but obviously there's a lot uh, ahead for Oklahoma in this cycle. So speaking of the family connections, I want to ask you about Idris Farouk, the cousin to Jalil Farouk out of the D.C. area. Uh, not somebody who's like a, a – blue chip prospect at the moment, but somebody who I, I watched a little bit of his highlight tape and I like the hitch that he brings, but he's being recruited all over the place, you know, yep. up North East coast. He's got a lot of different options, a lot of different offers. How much do you think the the family ties could play into Oklahoma landing him, the defensive back in the 2024 class? Oh, the, it's always important. I, I think when, when kids are going through the process nowadays, they, they really struggle to, differentiate the pitches from what's real at, at some of these campuses. But when you've got family or blood on campus at, at one of these schools, you get the real. And the beauty of it is there's no real limit to the communication between both parties. So he can call big bro whenever he wants and say, hey, you know, what was practice like after a win or after a loss or what's the off season? Like you can really get that true authentic scoop on what it's like to be a player as opposed to more of the glorified recruiting pitches and graphics and all the stuff that have become synonymous with, with the process in, in this day and age. So I do think that's always an advantage, especially John, when you're talking about a kid who would have to travel so far away. Um, that's another big, you know, feather in the cap for Oklahoma in this recruitment. If it pushes and goes all in for the next Farouk, you've already established that, Hey, going across the country, surviving a coaching change. You've gone through a lot of adversity and, and an uphill battle in an era where most kids maybe would have bolted at one point or, or the next, uh, yet Jalil's still there. So I do think those things will, will bode well for Oklahoma and just showing that that path is, is successful. Uh, and look, and we talked about it last show, Oklahoma is is has always known to be been able to recruit incredibly well offensively. So we're, we're looking for more on the other side of the ball. I think the 24 class is, is the best situation first full class uh, where you can really dig into the defensive side of the ball I think maybe that will be the strength early in this cycle as opposed to where last year it was offensively late and early and then the defensive guys came along later uh, in the run I think it could be the opposite this year especially with some of these big names on board and how many ties these guys have to Oklahoma in particular, where you talk about Bowen, Farouk, Stone, all these guys on defense, uh, if they start to accelerate things, that, that could be really big for Oklahoma on that side of the ball, which is obviously, again, where there maybe is more ground to make up. So if we're talking defense, a couple of guys that it feels like are perceived toward or at least trending in some some way, shape, or form Oklahoma's direction, a couple of safeties, Jordan Johnson, Rubel out of IMG Academy, uh, down there in Florida. You've also got Aaron Flowers. He's uh, from Forney, Texas. What do you know about these two safeties and how realistic of a player is Oklahoma in each of these two recruitments? I think they're in the thick of it for both. Of course, a couple of Texas natives. Rubel, like you mentioned, now uh, over here uh, in my state, in, in the state of Florida at IMG. I actually saw him this weekend, talked to him a little bit at, at a seven-on-seven, seven, and and yeah, he's He's got this top group and then all these other schools offered. So there's a sense that his recruitment is, is pretty open, but uh, he's going to go back home as much as possible. And I think Oklahoma is going to stay in the thick of it from that regard. There's there's this sense that when kids leave home to go to IMG, 
the chances of them going back to their home area actually increase because now you're you're able to pull from a further uh, region of the country and these kids are are more they have more oomph to go back home, whether it's on breaks, anything like that, because they're not home. They miss it uh, a little bit sooner. So I think that pushes you know better for those schools in that that conventional Big 12 footprint. But simultaneously now, schools in his new footprint have really jumped in and, and started to make things interesting. I think he visited Miami on Friday for the first time, liked what he saw. Uh, he wants to get to Ole Miss, a couple other schools in the mix there uh, for him. But um, he was originally working with that summer timeline. And I think if he sticks to that, and as today shows us, that, that can change. If he sticks to that summer timeline, it is certainly better news for the schools that have long been in on him, like in Oklahoma. But if he extends it, then it's kind of free game, all bets are off, and it's, it's a truly wide-open IMG style recruitment. So I think his timeline will really be telling because he's got a lot of schools in the mix. I think he dropped a top 10 or 12, uh, which is a, a very big number to truly consider a bunch of schools. And then like Ohio State and these other schools came in with offers. So we'll see where he makes visits to here going forward. But there's a sense that Oklahoma is going to be in great shape. And if he wants to commit in the spring or summer, Oklahoma is going to be in a good spot there. And then with Flowers, yeah, I hadn't tracked him as much personally, but I have heard some of those Oklahoma vibes uh, in his recruitment. He's one that also looks like he's on a, a bit of an accelerated timeline. And just like with Johnson Rebell, if that stays true, you feel better about OU's chances. And again, more defensive guys that, that could be coming off the board sooner rather than later. And I think that's about as ideal as it gets. You always want to start with a quarterback and build from there. But beyond that, if you could you could build towards the perceptional weakness of your roster, that's always important early in the cycle because kids are believing before they actually see it, which is really hard to sell to teenagers. One final question here for John, and he can take it a whole lot of different directions. But who are some of the guys that have seen the biggest jump kind of year over year so far in the 2024 cycle as we sit here in January? Oh, man, it's such a great question. Uh, obviously, we're starting to see these kids work a little bit more as, as seven on season and camp season. I just got two different camp schedules. It's going to be busy here going forward. But yeah, kids are already starting to turn the corner based on what we saw from their junior tape. I know I know one in, in my neck of the woods is Josiah Trader, a corner from Miami Central. Uh, he's really upped his own stock uh by focusing on the corner position. He's, he came up as a bit of a receiver, plays both ways. And I think a lot of kids making that transition uh, from junior to senior season that play multiple positions are going to start to hone in on one. I know off air, we talked a little bit about Eddie Pierre-Louis out of uh, Tampa Catholic, teammate, of course, of, of Oklahoma signee Lewis Carter. He's another one. It's not corner receiver. It's tackle versus guard. He is embracing a little bit more of that interior offensive line projection uh, that he's kind of been bestowed upon. He's, he's going to continue to play tackle at Catholic, but now at these camps and other events, he's begun to work inside and he's reshaped his frame just a little bit on top of it. So that will bode well for his recruitment. SEC legacy, big bro, I think just finished up at the university of Florida. Uh, so obviously there's, there's a lot of schools in the mix there. So it's just that time of year where we're going to see every weekend, really, uh, if you're not on a junior day, you're probably on a seven on seven field or a camp field. And we're going to see some of these kids really uh, start to improve their stock. So it'll be fun. I think Michael Hawkins had a huge performance, couple weeks ago uh, at, a, at a local showcase in the state of Texas uh, put on by 
um, Dave Campbell's crew, uh, my, my boy Greg Powers was out there, former Oklahoma reporter back in the day, uh, and, and they named Michael Hawkins the quarterback MVP. There's a sense that he he's always had the velocity and the arm strength, but there's another sense that now he is rounding out the mechanics a little bit more, taking something off of the football, showing a little bit more touch in between the margins on top of it. So we know the running ability is there and the arm strength is there. Now his frame is filling out and his mechanics are tightening up just at the right time, right? We, we saw Jackson Arnold go on this crazy run, basically starting this time last year. Hawkins could can maybe ascend at a similar pace to where he's viewed as one of the best. And then that list starts to get a little bit smaller as, as time goes on. So very curious to see him work this offseason, even though he's probably more focused on where he's going to play college football. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're Again, we're free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. So make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Hit the notification bell over there on YouTube. Let you know when new episodes drop and drop a like as well. It's off-season time, but we're going to be here with you every single day, not slowing down one bit. So again, make sure you're subscribed to the show. But thank you again. Special thanks to John Garcia for being a part of the show. For Josh Helmer, I'm John Williams. We'll catch you next time. Boomer Sooner.